Extra Daily Planet Extra. Everybody. Welcome to episode 21 of Mana Screen Extra. I am your host, Mike Zumo, and this is another break from the Mana Screen Podcast hiatus. Actually, only the proper Mana Screen Podcast show is on hiatus at the moment, despite the fact that I recently released my episode 120 in which I talked about Superman the movie and my trip to see that with Haley uh, earlier in the month. This is not really a hiatus-breaking episode, as... Man of Screen Extra is not affected by the regular hiatus of the Man of Screen podcast proper because I've always kind of designed it to be independent of the main show. Like I said, when I started this, this is the episode in which I talk about basically whatever I want outside the purview of the uh, regular podcast. So this time out, I'm going to talk about the uh, Elseworlds crossover, the uh, three-night event from uh, the CW, which featured the uh, Flash, Arrow, and Supergirl TV shows. I haven't covered the CW crossovers in the past, as uh, there was really no connection to Superman in them. The only real connection to Superman on the CW really only started with the Supergirl show, which is now in season four. So really the only uh, CW stuff I really discussed was Superman's appearances on the show and how I feel Superman had been used. So I'm going to cover, for the most part, parts one and three of the crossover. I'll talk a little bit about the uh, second part just for a completion's sake, but I'm really going to talk about this crossover in terms of Superman. This is, after all, a uh, Superman podcast, so I'm going to discuss it from that angle. If you want to listen to complete coverage of the crossover, there are two places that I've listened to it. You can catch uh, the guys, uh, Jay and Josh, over on Scarlet Velocity and Green Justice. They are on the uh, RetroZap network at www.retrozap.com. Or you can listen to the uh, DC TV podcast network also did... uh, group podcast with regards to the crossover representatives from uh the flash podcast quiver and uh supergirl radio so if you want to listen to uh complete coverage of the crossover head over to uh one of uh or both i'd highly recommend going over to both it's always fun to hear uh different views on the uh on the same material the guys over at RetroZap don't have a Supergirl-related podcast, but they did cover the Supergirl episode because it intersected with uh, the shows that they cover. So you can check those out for complete coverage of uh, the crossover. Like I said, this is going to be pretty much in terms of my look at Tyler Hecklin's Superman and the introduction of Elizabeth Tulock as Lois Lane. But before I get to... Uh, the business of this episode, I have some feedback to address. I have feedback on here from Dave McElvenny. Dave is writing in on Man of Screen Extra episode 20, in which I talked about the Death of Superman movie. Dave uh, actually got his feedback in uh, 
little bit late for that episode because it took him a couple of weeks to uh, actually get a hold of the movie, as he will explain in his letter. It's kind of funny that he actually listened to my commentary before seeing the film, which I found interesting because actually Dave did write in as soon as the episode came out telling me that he didn't have much to say because he hadn't seen the film yet. Pardon me, I have nothing to say! Although it must have been interesting listening to a commentary on a movie he'd never seen, as I'm sure there were some gaps, because there were a couple times when I did kind of get caught up in watching the film at at a couple of points. So Dave and I had a couple of exchanges. He wrote that, uh, he basically said that he's cheap, and uh, he borrowed it from the local library. So apparently a Dave said he actually listens to my commentary without actually watching what I'm describing. Because it's often he's something he's seen before and he that he has a freakishly good memory. You know, most of us have probably watched some of this stuff often enough that we don't need to uh, watch them with the commentary. I listened to a couple of Zaki Hassan's on the movie film and Nostalgia Theater podcast recently without the films, and uh, I just get caught up right in their conversation and don't even need to see the film. But he promised to write in after he saw the movie, and so Dave wrote. Well, it's only taken a couple weeks to get to the top of the hold list at the library, and I watched The Death of Superman this afternoon. I enjoyed it, but didn't absolutely love it. One of the things I didn't especially like was Superman's New 52 costume, but it wasn't awful, and it did get torn to shreds by the end of the Battle with Doomsday, which was probably the best possible fate for that costume. The other main thing that I didn't much like was how long it took for Superman to get involved in the fight against Doomsday. I think it wasn't the best pacing for the story, but I guess they were trying to pad a bit so they could save the four Superman replacements for the next movie. I think maybe they could have shown more of the funeral and things around what would have showed the impact of Superman's loss on Metropolis, the Justice League, and the world, to say nothing of Lois and the Kents. Those little bits were some of what I liked best about the movie, and I wish they'd been expanded on a little bit more. I liked the Flash's impending marriage caused a discussion about revealing secret identities, which made Superman give that idea some more thought. I also really liked the characterization of Lex Luthor, who was one of my favorite adversaries for Superman. I particularly loved when the Kents were having dinner with Lois and Clark, and telling tales about Clark. I laughed out loud when they talked about Laurie Lamaris, quote-unquote, that girl on the swim team. Later, it was heartbreaking to see the Kents being asked to move back from the police line at Superman's funeral. But I'd have liked to see them afterwards, back home in Smallville, looking through a photo album of Clark's childhood, or maybe in Metropolis, cleaning out Clark's apartment. I also found the moment toward the end with Bibbo at the waterfront mourning for Superman, quite moved. On balance, I think this movie did a good job adapting the source material, and I'm looking forward to Reign of the Supermen and hearing your commentary on that one. Live long and prosper, Dave. So, as usual, Dave, thank you for writing in. It's always appreciated. And I've uh, just got a couple of notes that I'm going to make on Dave's letter here. I do agree. I have a great deal of dislike for Superman's New 52-based costume, which we've seen in the movies pretty much since Justice League War, and I think that was 2013, without looking it up. But where Dave says the costume wasn't awful, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, yeah, that was pretty awful. I hate that costume. I never liked the high-collared look on Superman. It just doesn't seem to work for me. If I must like a costume without trunks, I like the Henry Cavill's and the one that Superman wore kind of after Superman Reborn in the comics with the red belt. I'm not really a big fan of the uh, costume that Tyler Hecklin is wearing in uh, the CW shows, which I've talked about before. I just, you know, yeah, there's no trunks. I just hate those cape clasps that he wears, but that's kind of neither neither here nor there. I've talked about that before uh, when I've discussed Tyler's previous runs of the character, so no need to revisit it here. And since the costume was torn to shreds, maybe we'll see a more classic look when he returns from the dead, as he inevitably will. Yeah, and I agree on how long it took for Superman to get involved in the fight. It didn't take nearly as long for him to get involved in the fight during the comic book arc. It was a seven-part story, if you include the uh, Justice League number 69, which Superman spent most of the time on the Cat Grant show, but that was really part two of Doomsday. By part three, he was fully involved in the fight. 
So for two-thirds of the story, Superman was pretty much fighting Doomsday by himself. I'm not sure in an animated film how long you can really make the fight between Superman and Doomsday. Two-thirds would be too much. You, you know, when you think about it, Doomsday is really a plot device. When the writers came up with the uh, Death of Superman arc, when apparently, according to Mike Carlin, it was the comics division that postponed the wedding, and not a mandate uh, because of the upcoming Lois and Clark TV show, but... Either way, when they decided to, to do the death and return of Superman, from what I understand is the comics writers wanted to explore the world without a Superman. So, when you think about it, the funeral for a friend arc was really the meat of the story. The story that's called Doomsday, the seven-parter, was mainly a slugfest to get to that point. And obviously, Reign of the Superman was a vehicle in which to bring Superman back. And Dave says that wishes that he could have showed much more of the funeral. And I agree, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more, but again, in a movie format, when we don't have an entire... I mean, we're not going to get an entire movie dedicated toward funeral for a friend. You could probably do one, but to stick that stuff on the end of Doomsday would seem like it would probably artificially inflate the runtime just a little bit. And I've heard from the creators of these DC animated movies is to keep them profitable, they have to kind of keep them within 75 minutes or so. And Dave and I do have some of the same enjoyment of the uh, Flash depending marriage causing the discussion about secret identities. I really like that. And I really like the question that uh, Clark was asking of Flash, who apparently is a little more experienced in these areas than he is. I might have even been choking up a little bit during my commentary where the cans were held back from Superman's funeral. And I would have liked seeing them more in Clark in their own way. Maybe not them looking through a photo album back home, but maybe, uh, you know, burying Clark's uh, stuff somewhere on the farm like they did uh, in that Man of Steel issue. You can uh, exclude Jonathan having the heart attack if you want, if it doesn't fit into your story, but it would have been nice to see something about that. And yeah, I'm right with Dave on the uh, Bibbo moment. I really loved that. A real heartbreaking scene, and I really wish that the movie could kind of ended with that point, but it didn't. They uh, they continued and uh, had to set up the, uh, the Reign of the Superman stuff for the next movie. So that is what it is. I enjoyed the movie. I'm glad Dave enjoyed it, too. I wonder what uh, what you guys thought of it. Man, you can uh, send me some feedback if you like. Man of screen at gmail.com. Like I said before, I'm looking for more Dave McElvenny's. So I'm going to take a quick break, play a podcast promo, and then when I come back, I'm going to uh, start my discussion about the uh, Elseworlds crossover on the CW. Hang around, folks. Afternoon, everybody. Ryan! How's that baby treating you, Mr. Daly? Like Thanos, snapping his fingers at my bank account. In that case, how about a beer on the house? Sure, gotta give my mouth something to do between podcasts. Say, Ryan, I don't get how you have so much time for podcasting. Doesn't your wife want you spending time with the baby? Would you? Truth is, I think she's a little worried about how much time I'm spending with the kid, ever since his first words were Dagobah system. (laughs) Now she wants me to go out and do something mature, something productive, and most of all, something lucrative that can support the family. So you're going to... Podcast about cheers, yeah. (laughs) That kid's not going to start college for 18 years. I got time. Cheers Cast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. Coming soon to the Fire and Water Network. All right, welcome back, folks. So now I'm going to go into uh, the crossover. Just a little bit of a background on the uh, crossover itself. It was titled Elseworlds. It aired on over the course of three nights. It started with The Flash on December 9th. Part 2 was Arrow on December 10th, 
Part 3 was Supergirl on December 11th. Actually, uh, just for that week, Flash and Supergirl switched time slots with uh, Flash airing on Sunday night and and Supergirl slide and Supergirl going on a Tuesday, probably to serve the crossover the most because most of, while Supergirl and by extension Superman did factor heavily into part one, part one was very much a Flash show while uh, part three featured members of Supergirl's cast. This particular crossover wasn't as tight of a story as the uh, last one, Crisis on Earth X, whereas there were times during that crossover where I didn't actually know which show I was watching. That's how tight across that crossover was while this one did actually i mean this crossover did tell one story from one episode to the next and to to the next but part one the flash episode it was very much a flash episode and the objectives for that episode were resolved in that episode as the and then there was a little uh, moment at the end which set up the next adventure in the next episode when they went to Gotham and met Batwoman on the Arrow episode and that was very much an Arrow episode as more of the Arrow cast showed up there to do some stuff to combine with the Flash people who uh, did some stuff I mean in the Flash episode you saw that's when you saw Iris and uh, pretty much just Iris as far as the Flash's supporting characters go I think she's the only one who didn't go from one episode to the next and in the Flash episode, that's when you saw Felicity and uh, Curtis and Diggle. A neat reference uh, about Diggle and uh, John... I'll get to John Wesley's ship in a moment. But uh, apparently on uh, Earth-90, he is uh, the Green Lantern. And then in the third episode, we saw Alex and we saw Jimmy. Or Jane. we saw James, although he was called Jimmy in this episode. But we even saw Gary from Legends of Tomorrow, who uh, the Legends did not play a role in this particular crossover. So that's that. And the one thing I want to say about this crossover right off the bat is, in my eyes, it really elevated Tyler Hecklin's Superman to me to the point where, you know, I would have watched it anyway. But now I'm much more on board with the idea of Tyler Hecklin having his own show, especially with Elizabeth Tulak at his side as Lois Lane. When you think about it, there's been talk of a Tyler Hecklin-led Superman show ever since he... He appeared as Superman in October of 2016 when he was on the first two episodes of season two of Supergirl after it went to the CW from CBS. And at that time, I really don't know how I felt about the idea. I mean, I mean, a lot of the praise I initially thought for Hecklin kind of came because he seems to be the anti-Snyder Superman. This was about seven months after Batman v Superman, which was a dour film by many reckonings. And... People who may have kind of been on board for Zack Snyder's vision of Superman from Man of Steel, you know, they were many fans were very turned off by Batman v Superman. And I'm not going to sit here and uh, litigate Cavill versus Hecklin, but what I will say about the Snyder Superman, for for lack of a better term, is while I didn't necessarily care for the material, I mean, I didn't hate it, but I don't love it either. I'm kind of in the middle. I did like Henry Cavill as Superman. And at that time, I was invested in Henry Cavill, if I wasn't necessarily invested in the material, if that makes any sense. So, I wasn't necessarily on board with Hecklin stealing whatever Thunder Cavill might have had, but it's been two years now since that, more than two years actually, last year around this time, I think it came out late November, Justice League kind of fell on its face at the box office, kind of uh, sent the, uh, what everybody calls the DC Extended Universe kind of into a tailspin, and now we're not sure what future, if there even is a future, for Henry Cavill as Superman. So, 
Some reports have indicated Cavill might be walking away from the role. Jason Momoa just did an interview as Aquaman is coming out in about a week or so, kind of pointing out that saying he talked to Cavill and he said no, he is still invested in uh, the character of Superman and he wants to continue. But what Cavill wants and what Warner Brothers want might not be the same thing. I don't know, and I really have no way to know that. So, I mean, I liked what I saw from Henry Cavill in Justice League. The movie was what it was. It was a chopped up mess, but I did enjoy it for what it was. Looking forward to seeing what Aquaman brings us uh, later this month. Maybe I'll have an episode on that. Maybe I won't. I don't know at this point. But yeah, there is the strong possibility of that kind of being it for... uh, Henry Cavill, so I really have no interest in Hecklin versus Cavill, and I just felt that if Hecklin got his own show while Cavill was active as Superman, it would evolve into armed camps, the Cavill camp and the Hecklin camp, and I just don't have the patience for that. Superman fandom is divided enough, but anyway, back to Hecklin. Having seen him and Elizabeth Tulak, who people have said looked like Margot Kidder, and you know, I definitely saw that on screen. She had some resemblance, especially in the uh, facial, the cheekbones, uh, were definitely, were definitely very Marco Kidder-like. So she played Lois, and I thought she did a great job. I thought she and Tyler Hecklin had had a ton of chemistry. One of the plot lines introduced at the end of the show, I'm not necessarily uh, that big a fan of, but eh, it, so I'm not sure that I really want to see a show based on some of that. But eh, there's still no word whether or not that there will be a Superman show at the end of all this or what. You know, I do think that if they're trying to sneak one in, they they've built up a lot of positive buzz for uh, Tyler Hecklin Superman. So. I think that if eventually uh, Greg Berlanti went and pitched a, a Superman show to Warner Brothers TV, I think they'd go for it. As far as the episodes go, Superman appeared in part one, which was the Flash episode, airing on Sunday night, December 9th. And basically, a little bit about Elseworlds, for those of you who don't know. Elseworlds was a DC imprint that started with, I want to say I heard the second issue of Gotham by Gaslight. And mostly it was a bunch of one-shots. Familiar characters put in unfamiliar settings, like there was one where Superman was in the Middle Ages, there was another one where a lot of them were Superman and Batman related, another one where there was a, where Superman was actually Bruce Wayne, was adopted by the Waynes, and then, and uh, became a super-powered Batman before becoming Superman, that was Superman speeding bullets, that was an interesting one. Obviously, some of the most famous miniseries under the Elseworlds imprint were Kingdom Come by Mark Wade and Alex Ross, and... Uh, Superman Red Sun. For those of you who don't know, Superman Red Sun is Superman being growing up in communist Russia. And as far as the comics go, those particular Elseworlds, those two miniseries, are so basically important and loved that the worlds those stories take place in have actually found a home in the DC multiverse. Gotham by Gaslight may have too. I'm not 100% sure without looking it up. But that's basically Elseworlds. Familiar characters in unfamiliar places. Not so much what we saw in this the Elseworlds brand didn't necessarily seem to fit the crossover, as really the only uh, unfamiliar people and unfamiliar things was the body swap between Oliver and uh, Barry. For most of the crossover, Barry was the Green Arrow and Oliver was the Flash. That, I guess, the uh, character of uh, Dr. Destiny, Dr. John Tegan, altering the world through the Book of De- Destiny could have brought on an Elseworlds, but I guess you really couldn't call it Crisis on Multiple Earths because... Really, only one Earth, uh, Earth One was at stake. What is eventually revealed is that the Monitor is concerned about an upcoming crisis, and I'll talk more about that later. And he's testing various Earths to see if they can stand against the threat that's coming. So, there's that. But as far as Superman goes, uh, what happens in the beginning of the Flash episode is that Barry and Oliver have switched places, and even though we see 
Oliver and Wheezy Barry, basically, nobody else is aware of the body swap. They they see who they've always seen, which which apparently, uh, with those alterations, Barry looks like Oliver, and Oliver looks like Barry. So, only people not affected, that they know of, that are not affected, are people not of their Earth. So, they travel to Earth-38. And, and find Kara, who is visiting Clark on the Ken Farm. And the Ken Farm is the same Ken Farm that was used on Smallville. Very recognizable, very red. <laughs> and and just to be completely and utterly on the nose, the show plays the Remy Zero Smallville theme over the Ken Farm. So if you weren't sure that was the Smallville Ken Farm before that happens, blaring that in the background was definitely uh, a hit on the head with a sledgehammer. So there's that. So apparently on this Earth... Before anything else happens, uh, before they show up, we get a nice uh, scene of uh, Kara and Clark talking about what's happened recently in her show. I've never been challenged like that before, just to my face. Tell us who you are, Supergirl. Well, except for Miss Grant. Well, and I'm sure it was harder when it's the president doing the threatening. Cat was scarier. Yeah. <laughs> did you think I did the right thing? Our secret identities, they... They protect the people we love from being threatened by our enemies. There aren't a lot of things more important than that. I'm just sad I have to leave the DEO. And now Alex is there alone. I feel like I let her down. Well, and then I left you to defend Earth alone so I could go to Argo. Oh. I'm sorry. No, don't be sorry about that. It's home. I'm really glad you got to see it, finally. Connect with it. It was more than just connecting with our culture, you know? It was Lois. Everything new that I experienced on Argo, she was experiencing it too. You know, out there we were, <laughs> and we were both strange visitors. <sighs> I must sound so selfish. No, love is the most unselfish thing in the world, on any world. Well, about that, there's something that I've needed to talk to you about. So it's nice to see Clark giving her some advice on uh, secret identity stuff, and uh, it's nice to see Clark kind of acting like uh, like a big brother to Kara, which is really the relationship between them that I've always uh, envisioned. Yeah, they're cousins, but their relationship has always seemed like Clark was a big brother. But eventually, uh, Barry and Oliver show up, and uh, Kara recognizes them as who they are, despite the fact that Oliver has Barry superpowers, which surprised me at first. I was kind of expecting them to kind of revert to normal when they went to Earth-38, but... Whatever's affecting the people on Earth-38 is not affecting uh, Kara. It kind of reminded me of uh, after Flashpoint, when the Earth-2 Wells came to Star Labs. I believe uh, the running room or the speed room or whatever, the speed lab, was added uh, during because of Flashpoint. And uh, Wells noticed the difference immediately when he showed up. So the changes are only affecting Earth-1. As far as the other, how the other characters related to Superman, Barry was kind of a little starstruck. Um, uh, you guys, this is my cousin Clark. I'm so glad you get to meet. Your cousin? That cousin? The super cousin? Oh, please. Call me Clark. Uh, welcome to our farm. <laughs> Are you puffing on your chest? Yes. Well, some people said that they were afraid to say Superman in the episode. I didn't really see that. They seemed to say Superman uh, at the time when it was needed. For in the At the end when they're battling... I didn't even get the fact they're battling Amazo. Whoever thought we'd see Amazo on screen? Well, but anyway, uh, there was a there was a big nod to Superman in the movie. I mean, there were tons of uh, references to other DC Comics related stuff. I didn't keep track of them, but they're too numerous to mention, so I'm not really gonna go through it. But the big reference to Superman in the movie was obviously Cisco asking, uh, "Who are you?" 
friend. So they go back to Earth 1 and uh, they fight Amazo. I'm not going to go into much about how Amazo got there. It's really irrelevant. But, well, it's not irrelevant, but it's not really uh, the, the purview of this episode. I really want to focus on Superman. And they're fighting. They have to fight Amazo, who absorbs everyone's powers. And it is so awesome to see. There was one shot that really uh, worked for me. It was one point, I think, where they knocked Amazo down and he was getting up. And the camera just kind of pans around. And you see... One shot that has everybody in it. And Superman was in the forefront, which I really liked. Kind of looking over his shoulder at Amazo. It was really nice for it in this universe after years of the character being ignored. It was really nice to see Superman among the other heroes. Yes, he this, he's a guest star, so he can never really be the first among them, as Superman should be. To me, Superman should be the most magnificent thing in the DC universe hands down and he should overshadow everybody when he's there and both the strengths of him and Kara were needed to solve the problem so it we didn't have any and this is always a big complaint of mine earlier in the show back to the day when even before Tyler Hecklin was cast is that the show tended to raise up Supergirl at the expense of Superman and I really don't go for that i much prefer supergirl to rise and fall on her own merits rather than making a comparison to him and i feel like they've done that too much they beat you over the head with that point in the season two finale when he came back they did a little bit of it here in the crossover but this crossover to me was very good to super really the flash and green arrow were the stars of of this crossover you know because Supergirl started on CW, She and that first episode with her and uh, The Flash that appeared, happened on her show, because her show was on CBS, she wound up on a different Earth. I'm glad this show came to the CW. I never thought it would survive on CBS, and obviously it didn't. And I was very glad to see it find a home on the CW, which is probably where it should have been from day one. And now, since that show in season one established they were on different Earths, there always needs to be some kind of plot contrivance to get Supergirl with the rest of them. And I'm hoping that eventually something is done to rectify that. But as far as the climax of this episode goes to defeat Amazo, which for those of you who don't know, Amazo is kind of the anti-Justice League robot and it will analyze the superpowers of whoever he's fighting and replicate them. So just imagine how difficult it would be to fight something that had the strength and speed of Superman and the speed and the abilities of the Flash. So it required both the strength of Superman and Supergirl to hold it down. So in his, in his show, Barry could save the day. And Barry did, with the help of Superman, who... It was really cool seeing Kara and uh, Kal-El finally function as equals, as they did what only they could do by holding Amazo down. They required a moments that I loved as well. Uh, <laughs> the scene with uh, Sherlock Wells, or Sherlock, or whatever the hell they're calling him, the, the French Wells, is uh, <laughs> the scene with him trying to give the... Uh, the alimony check to Clark to deliver, because apparently Sherlock has ex-wives all over the multiverse. Hello, uh, Clark. Help a genius out, would you? Look, uh, oh, I want no, to give no, you this I, check. I, I, I do this for free, the whole uh, helping humanity thing. Oh, you think that I'm giving? No, no, not for that. This is an alimony check for my third wife. She also lives on uh, Earth 38, and uh, I might be a little bit behind in the payment. If you could just do me the favor. You want me to deliver this to your ex-wife? To my ex-wife, my third ex-wife. You're welcome. Oh, you're welcome, too. It's superb. Man, I can trust him, right? How exactly alimony is enforced across the multiverse, I'll never know. But apparently it is. So, <laughs> that seems absolutely priceless. So, 
Tyler Hecklin as Superman really had a very good showing in The Flash. If I had to rank them, I would say part one was my favorite of the three parts of the crossover. I mean, I'm sitting here in my, uh, let's call it my Fortress of Solitude, and uh, I was geeking out throughout half that episode in my chair. So that didn't quite happen so much with the other two episodes. So I am was very happy with the way the crossover started with regard to Superman. Superman did not appear in the Arrow episode, although Tyler Hecklin did appear toward the end of the Arrow episode. The Arrow episode took them to Gotham and they met Batwoman. Apparently Batman once existed in this world, but he's been gone for three years. I really don't have a ton to say about part two because this is a Superman show and Superman wasn't there. The only appearance of Tyler Hecklin was as uh, Dr. Destiny, who... The villainous character uses the Book of Destiny to make people think that he is Superman. Basically, he becomes Superman. So that sets up part three, which is the Supergirl episode that aired on December 11th, the Tuesday. So part three shows Barry and Oliver again transformed by the Book of Destiny. Now they're the Trigger Twins, which is interesting enough. That That is a uh, very deep cut. Really, the only Trigger Twins that I knew of were in uh, Batman comics in the 90s. That, apparently, there were some others in old DC Western comics. But anyway, with Kara in the pipeline, apparently, she got there when the world was rewritten. So they have to go back to Earth-38, and what we basically get is Elseworlds Part 3, The Search for Superman. All you Star Trek fans will see and appreciate what I did there. But uh, it was cool to see that they uh, had to seek out Superman, because he was presumably, at that point, the only one who could help. Needed to get to Earth-38 to find Superman, and they do. It's interesting to see the differences in all the characters. Uh, like I mentioned, Gary from Legends of Tomorrow is a bartender. Jimmy is an enforcer, and uh, Cisco Ramon is some kind of mob boss or something. But he can still vibe, and he uses that to rob banks, apparently. So they find Superman, and apparently he knows about the Book of Destiny. He has encountered these a book like this in the past. Uh, I'm not sure if he encountered the exact one, but he encountered some version of it. And he uh, willingly goes back to help them battle the fake Superman and to kind of set the world right. And apparently Superman is the only one who can look into the Book of Destiny and kind of rewrite the world. Especially since he and Kara are unaffected by changes to Earth-1. I really liked, again, that Superman is shown as the only person who can do this. Some people complain that uh, Superman was too easily beaten up by the uh, fake Superman in this episode. I can see that complaint because he did get his ass kicked quite a bit by the fake, by the Tegan Superman, who was in a spiffy looking black suit, I'll just say that. But I'm, I can no prize this a little bit. Maybe as the wielder of the Book of Destiny, uh, Tegan can make himself as powerful as he wants. Maybe his version of Superman was more powerful than the, the real Superman. I don't know. Just food for thought there. That's kind of the way I saw it. So, and uh, being that part three was a Supergirl episode, there was a great deal of Supergirl's extended cast. Uh, Kyler Lee showed up in this episode playing a version of uh, Alex Danvers. She was not the Alex Danvers of Earth-38. Apparently, uh, Alex Danvers exists on Earth-1. So, Kara was able to kind of use her knowledge of Alex from Earth-38 to get to the Earth-1 version, which I thought was pretty cool. Very, uh, very Kara thing to do. And she figured heavily into saving the world, and basically to save the world, she and the Flash had to run in opposite directions around the world at Mach 7. Why Mach 7? I don't know. It actually seems, uh, Mach 7 seems a little slow to uh, alter the Earth rotation and slow down time. I'm not necessarily sure that Slowing the Earth rotation would slow down time, but, you know, comic book science. And the effort nearly kills Barry and Supergirl until Oliver strikes a deal with the Monitor. Novo! I know you're in there, you son of a bitch! I'm not afraid of you! I'm not impressed by you! Stop with these games and show yourself! 
so much passion and hubris to think that if you just yell loud enough, you can command a god. You're not a god. Yet there isn't a name for what I am, so I suppose God will have to do. Your time is limited. I'm not sure what little remains is best spent making demands of me. I already told you what you had to do. I know what happens to Barry and Kara. Mm. Now you're here in the faint hope I can alter it. Well, you just said you were a god. Now, I don't think you're testing us to see if we're strong enough. I think you're testing us to see if we are good enough. And I don't think in any of the universes you've tested that anyone has ever stood and confronted you like this. Yes. You are the first in a multitude. I'm not who you need. You said I'd pass the test if I knew my true self. My true self is filled with darkness. But Barry and Kara are different. They inspire hope. They inspire people because they are the best of us. And if this test of yours is gonna kill our best chance at stopping this crisis, Well, as gods go, you're not a very smart one. The universe is a complex piece of machinery, and balance must be maintained. One change requires another. How would you propose I keep the balance? We don't know what the cost of that deal is. We are, we do hear that there is one, but I assume we're going to hear about that in the in the future. Now, there was one thing I didn't like, and this is at the end when. Uh, Superman is talking to Kara again. He is uh, waxing her car by telling her how much stronger she is than he is. Blah, 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 blah. Barry and Kara. You had more faith than I did. I don't know Kara as well as I know Barry. But when things get tough, he doesn't slow down. He digs deep and runs faster. That's my cousin to a T. Then you know why I had faith in them. Here's the thing. Here's where I'm going to take my bazooka and blow a hole in that. I think Superman would have had faith in her to do that. And the only reason he had a doubt was because of what he saw in the book. If Supergirl and I travel around the globe in opposite directions at just over Mach 7, we should be able to create enough centrifugal force to slow the Earth's rotation. And everything else. Rip the book out of Deacon's hands and everything goes back to normal. We can do this. You both die. When I open the book, I, I watch both of you die doing exactly what you're talking about. If it's in the book, it's destiny. I believe Clark. We have to try something. Ready? Yeah. Kara! Where are you going? I have an idea. Just get the book. And Barry and Kara? We need to hope destinies can be rewritten. He didn't say that he thought Kara couldn't handle it because he should do it or whatnot. The only reason he expressed any opinion was because he saw the future. And that was where his concern came from. It didn't necessarily come from a lack of faith. And despite what he says... 
about not having faith in Kara, Kara really had nothing to do with her own survival. As she and both Bar- her and Barry were saved by Oliver. So all the characters don't know what we know. So it's easy to forgive them their foibles and their erroneous statements. But I kind of wish that wasn't written in because I, I never thought Superman's comment about that had, had anything to do with faith and everything to do with what he saw in the Book of Destiny. He saw that happening in the future and he saw what happened as a result of it. Faith and Kara just seemed out of place there. But Kara did have a nice moment after he said he'd kill her that... That she did it anyway, as a true superhero would. So, so the multiverse is saved, blah, blah, blah. Everyone moves on. The Earth 38 crowd goes home. Oh, by the way, uh, Lois did feature feature heavily into uh, the final battle as she was wielding something that looked like a Thor's hammer on steroids. I'm not exactly sure what it was, but it packed quite a punch when she hammered it on the ground. Martian Manhunter showed up to fight a little bit. So that was good to see a lot of Supergirl's extended cast in there. And as far as the ending of the episode goes, we actually advanced Superman's plot a little bit. Actually, Superman's story is progressed a lot in this one episode, which is something that's never happened before. Because the last time Superman really appeared in Smallville, he uh, he showed up for those two episodes at the beginning of season two and kind of flew away back to his own adventures. And then when he showed, then he showed up at the end, uh, got his ass beat by Kara while he was under uh, the control of whatever of Rhea, the Daxmite Queen. And he showed up to uh, again. Uh, well, that was the first time he kind of waxed Kara's car and uh, inflated her ego a little bit. You can tell that I really don't care for the way Superman was handled with relation to Kara, but. These three episodes were the best of Superman that the CW has been since they introduced him to the multiverse. We find out that Lois... Well, before I get into that, if for those of you who have not been watching Supergirl over the, for the past two seasons, really, uh, Argo City was introduced in uh, Supergirl last season, and basically this season starts with Superman uh, off-planet, and Superman uh, and Kara reveals eventually that uh, Superman had gone to Argo. Which I guess is one of the issues that you have when you're doing uh, Supergirl is that you always need to kind of account for Superman during some of these uh, world-ending crises. You know, you kind of always wonder, uh, you know, if the situations she's getting into are so uh, world-shaking, where is he? You know, what's he doing while she's uh, saving the world? And so a lot of the times... I mean, even before the show uh, premiered, I'd always speculate, oh, maybe Superman died or something. I don't know. Maybe he was somehow out of the picture. So for most of this season, he was on Argo, visiting Argo City, because, you know, why not? Why wouldn't Superman visit Argo City? So that's where he spent most of uh, the first half of the season. And it was very clear from the Flash episode that he had just gotten back when he uh, was talking to Kara in the barn about her DEO trouble. But we've learned that Lois is pregnant. So Clark is going back to Argo for the rest of the season, leaving uh, Supergirl to handle whatever threats come up. Lois is pregnant, so they don't necessarily want her to have a super-powered baby on Earth. You know, that thing kicks hard enough, it'll uh, burst through her chest like the uh, alien creature. So, don't want that. And at the end, Clark proposes to Lois by uh, turning a charcoal briquette into a diamond, uh, an old uh, and tired Superman trope at this point. So, they're engaged, they're happy, they're going back to Argo City until presumably John Kent is born. So, I'm guessing if we get a Superman series, it'll be them coming back to Earth with their baby. Not necessarily sure I want to see a uh, Super Dad show, but if I have to, I have to. If Tyler Hecklin is, uh, shows up as Superman on TV, I'm definitely not going to say no. I will definitely check it out. So that's pretty much my thoughts on the crossover. Very good to Superman. The best the CW has been to Superman, like I said. So that's that. Uh, so what I'm going to do now is I'm going to take a uh, podcast promo break. And I'm going to come back and talk a little bit about what's going to happen next. Hang around, folks. Stay. What? Have you 
ever read uh, a Superman comic? Not in the last few hours. Oh, I was just checking, right? Just checking. Hey, everyone. My name is Michael Bailey, and I have been a fan of Superman for as long as I can remember. In 1987, I started collecting the Superman comics as a going concern, which led me down a long and winding comic book-filled path to 2007 when I first started podcasting. Well, it's 2017, and because it's been 10 years since I started podcasting, and 30 years since I started reading Superman full-time, I thought it might be fun to start a new show called It All Comes Back to Superman. It All Comes Back to Superman will be my monthly reaffirmation of my Kryptonian faith, where I will pick out something about the Man of Steel and discuss it. Sometimes I'll be alone. Sometimes I'll have a guest. No matter how many people get involved, Superman will be the focus. It All Comes Back to Superman is part of the Fortress of Bailey Tube podcasting network. New episodes will drop on the 28th of every month. This show and all of the other programs that are part of the Fortress of Baileytude podcasting network can be found at www.fortressofbaileytude.com. All right, welcome back, folks. So, we finished the Elseworlds crossover. What now? There's always a what now. Basically, what's going to happen is there's going to be another crossover next season. I could just hear your shock coming back at me through your iPod or iPhone, wherever the hell you're listening to your podcast on. And it's going to be Crisis on Infinite Earths. For those of you who are unfamiliar with Crisis on Infinite Earths, you may be a comic reader, you may not. So Crisis, what Crisis was, was I believe in 85, 86. Over the course of those two years, it was a 12-issue maxi-series with a ton of crossovers. Basically, it was the DC Multiverse, which was basically infinite, hence the title Crisis on Infinite Earths, and it squeezed the entire DC Universe down to one. So there was one uh, Prime Earth. So there was only one Earth in the Universe. There was no more DC Multiverse, which had some positive effects and negative effects. Biggest negative effect was it screwed the hell the Legion of Superheroes because Superboy was written out of existence, and really the Legion has never quite recovered from that, despite DC's numerous attempts to fix the problem that they created. But there is concern out there because, you know, a lot of people like the multiverse. I mean, I don't know if this was mentioned in the uh, crossover. I'll have to, you know, if I have any desire to watch the whole thing again from forward to the end. Maybe I will before the shows come back. But normally there's 53 Earths in the multiverse. The 52 universes and kind of Earth X kind of just hanging out to the side. Apparently, John Wesley Shipp's version of The Flash came from Earth 90, which was obviously a nod to the Flash TV show that Shipp started for one season being aired in 1990. And before I go on, it was great to see what John Wesley ship in uh, the 1990s Flash suit as an older Barry Allen. I've been waiting to see that since uh, the first time we saw his Flash in the uh, in the multiverse. But apparently he's from Earth-90. There are supposed to be 52 Earths in the multiverse. That's been established. Or 53. So how is he on Earth-90? Maybe that's the crisis. Maybe they need to squeeze them back to 52 Earths again. But if anything comes out of this crisis that I hope happens... One, whatever price Oliver is going to have to pay for saving Kara and Barry during this crossover is going to be collected upon in Crisis. So people are already speculating that Oliver is going to die in uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths. I mean, Arrow is already in Season 7, so I'm really not sure how much life that show has left anyway. But what I really hope this does is it squeezes the CW shows onto one Earth. Let them all be on Earth 1. If you put the Earth 38 people on Earth 1 with 
everybody else, it eliminates the need for a plot contrivance to, to get Kara, and if necessary, Superman, to Earth-1. So you, there's no reason why they can't be Earth-1. And you know what? Why not have Black Lightning on Earth-1 part of the Arrowverse? The way Black Lightning is told, that show is so, you know, super local based on its, on its Freeland setting, that if it doesn't want to interact with the rest of the Arrowverse, it doesn't have to. If it wants to, great. If not, well, nothing's really lost by Black Lightning not participating. Just because Black Lightning kind of acts independently doesn't mean it's not on the same world. If Arrow and Flash can exist in the same world, there's no reason why Black Lightning can't. So, I don't know for sure if there's going to be a Batwoman show. There might be. Certainly everybody's leaning in that direction. I mean, I had no issues with Ruby Rose as Batwoman. She was fine. I'll watch the show. But, you know, seeing Batwoman didn't really light my world on fire. It seemed like a service to missing Batman more than Batwoman, really. But if the show happens, I'll watch it. And there's always rumors about a Tyler Hecklin-led Superman show. Don't know. But I do think there are going to be some holes in the CW schedule coming up. I'm not necessarily sure how much longer Arrow has. I mean, it's already on season seven. How much longer can they beat this drum? Especially if uh, something may happen to Oliver in uh, Crisis. You know, I watch Legends of Tomorrow, but if that show was gone, I wouldn't really shed a tear for it. You know, I enjoy watching it when it, when I do, but if it goes away, I'm not going to miss it a whole lot. I didn't even miss them not participating in this crossover, so I guess we'll see what happens in the future. Definitely looking forward to what happens with Crisis. Get the Earth 1 and Earth 38 shows combined into one planet so you can have a proper Justice League, You can, and you don't need uh, portals to... Uh, have them guest star on new crossovers so that's really all i've got if you have anything to add or anything you want to say about this you want to tell me your thoughts on the crossover man a screen at gmail.com your feedback is always welcome you can join the conversation over at the facebook group just put man a screen podcast in your search feed and the show should come up you can also find the show on twitter at man a screencast and uh, if you don't mind i want you to drop the show review on over on apple podcast that'll help uh, raise the show's profile in those directories so until next time folks we're all on the same team. Good night. The Man of Screen Podcast is produced by Mike Zemo, and all opinions expressed on the show are those of Mike Zemo and his guests and no one else. All music and sound clips used on the show are for review purposes only, and no copyright infringement is intended. All music and sound clips are copyright their original copyright owners. The Man of Screen is a member of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network and can be found at www.twotruefreaks.com. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at twotruefreaks.com to shop there. If you do, the Two True Freaks get a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you can shop as usual and help out the Two True Freaks at the same time. Email to this show can be sent to manofscreen at gmail.com. And you can also leave the show a review on iTunes. That will help others find the show. Thank you for listening to the Man of Screen Podcast.